Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham pod from down under. Well, was it one point gained or two points lost? A two-all draw in what used to be the Scott Parker derby feels like a missed opportunity despite going behind twice. We're going to talk through the performance against Bournemouth and in the second half of the pod, we'll take a look forward to the early Friday morning game against Villa who currently sit just outside the relegation zone. Here to discuss everything with me today, I have Sam. Sam, how are you going? I'm a little bit dehydrated, but I'm all right. Good bit of insider knowledge there. And Elton, how are we going today? I'm very well and fully fully hydrated. Thank you very much. Thanks for asking. Lovely in lilac. (laughs) So, look, guys, let's get straight into it. Uh, An interesting game on Saturday night, a two-all draw against Bournemouth in what feels like a game that, you know, six months ago or even a couple of months ago felt like this really big derby upcoming and we were all looking forward to it. And Scott Parker got sacked, and all of a sudden it sort of sucked the juice out of the game. Um, we had a two-all draw, went behind early to a Dominic Solanke goal, really poor marking in my opinion. We'll talk about that later. Came back with Anissa Diop header, his first goal for Fulham in the 22nd minute, and then uh, Bournemouth hit back again with some some more really poor defending and poor marking for Jefferson Lerma to stroke the ball into the back of the net, went in behind at half time. Come out in the second half, Mitrovic wins a penalty from a corner, a little bit of justice from the week before, dispatches it perfectly as well. And uh, it felt like a hundred more chances and it felt like we were going to get the win, but we just couldn't get over the line there. Two all draw with Bournemouth. Like I said in the intro, is it a point gained or two points lost? Sam, point gained, two points lost? Yeah, I reckon it's actually a point gained. Uh, really unpopular opinion, but if you stood outside of it, like not being a Fulham fan or not being a Bournemouth fan, it's actually a very good kind of game of football. It's very even for a lot of parts. And obviously they had us in the first half, but I feel that we really, we had something in the second half. And genuinely, I reckon if the game was 110 minutes long, we would have come away with the result. Just a little bit annoying, but yeah, just is what it is. It's a good game of football though. I thought it was a really good game to watch. Yeah, so I'm less interested in the entertainment at the moment. I want the points. Two points <laughs> lost for me. And uh, it was entertaining, but not the kind of entertainment I wanted, actually. Yeah, it's it was annoying, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm still waiting for us to get back to our form, which we're struggling to regain at the moment for mine. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just about over the makeshift um, defence. And uh, it's kind of wearing thin, and I can only only imagine how completely over it Marco Silva must be. But yeah, look, um, I, I would have been really upset, and I think we would have really messed it up if we hadn't got a point. Um, but I still feel like it was a very winnable game, and we uh, we underperformed for in in terms of. Doing the job, I think we underperformed. We played very well for most of most of the game, but yeah, not good enough for me. Yeah, I'd say two points lost as well. I, I know we came from behind twice, which is great that we managed to get a point, but I, I feel like we were so dominant in the second half. We created all the chances, but we were, we were fairly wasteful. I, I remember hearing a stat while they were watching the game, and I'll just pull it up here. We had 19 shots on goal. Uh, only four of those shots were on target. Uh, Bournemouth had 10 shots on goal and six on target. So they're going at 60%. Mm. We were going at 20% on target, which is really, that that's poor. And <clears throat> I, I think we, we definitely were looking to create a lot more. I think that's the most passes we completed in a game all season, potentially. We create, uh, 
we completed almost 600 passes, Jeez, which is a really good effort. Um, yeah, Bournemouth only had that. 268 passes, so we, you know, more than doubled the amount of passes that they made. We had double the amount of touches almost as well. Um, Bournemouth had 46 clearances for the game. In comparison, we had eight clearances, uh, which just shows, and we saw it as well, we were putting a lot of balls into the box, especially when Tom Kearney came on, he was releasing Robinson down the left. He, he made a big difference, and we'll come on to that. But look, let's let's um, sort of focus on the goals now, and let's look at that first goal. Um, Elson, how did you see that first goal? What, what were your thoughts when that first goal went in after, I think it was 68 seconds or something ridiculous? Mm. Yeah, didn't like it. Um, I just thought that again. We, I'm sure we'll cover this later. It's just not defending isn't good enough. Uh, I mean, it was actually quite quite well worked. I was about so to not, say, it's very not to critical. not to detract, not to detract. It was actually very well worked, uh, and it was really well slotted away. I mean, I would have been very happy if we'd pulled that goal off, um, but <clears throat> I, I don't think we started badly. But it it we we seem to as I was discussing with Jack when we were watching it, both their goals seem to be against the run of play. Yeah. The the I saw a really good piece of analysis on Twitter. Um I can't remember who it was by, and I, I really should find out to shout them out because it was really well well done. It could have been one of the guys off the Fulhamish podcast, and they basically took a couple of screenshots and isolated the two goals that Bournemouth scored. And if you look at the lead up to the goal, the first goal, Fulham have, I think, six men within the box and around it. And, and Fulham look like they're totally in control here. Um, I think it's um, Solanke lays the ball off to, could be Billing with the, yeah, Billing with the assist. Yeah. Um, and you watch the Fulham players and everyone has eyes on Billing. No, Once Solanke passes the ball, no one watches him. No one picks him up. Solanke runs into the danger area. And of those six players who are very, very close around the ball, only one player was in that danger area and he was the wrong side of Solanke there. We just, we, is a complete defensive breakdown. Um, yeah. you, you should never, when you've got that many numbers there, you should, someone should be hanging back, but you can see everyone's watching the ball and sort of standing still. And not actually positioning themselves like proper defenders should be, and cutting off the zones where the danger is going to be. And I don't know if it's a, a tactical issue or a ball watching issue, uh, but there's something wrong there. But yeah. I, I, I'm saying uh, Kenny Tete on the right. Um, okay, maybe maybe he would have had to follow Solanke to try and break that down. But I, I'm feeling like he would he would have done a better job there. Possibly, but I don't think the goal is actually the right back's fault. No, uh, no, no, it's, the it's goal, not. The goal scored by a striker who yeah. should be picked up. The striker's running into the box and he's completely yeah. unmarked. Yeah. So he should be picked up by one of the centre backs or 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 Harrison Reed slash um Polina moving back into the box as well, following him in after he makes the pass. We we just seem to stop and let it sort of disintegrate. I don't want to take too much away from Bourne this goal because annoying as it was, it was it was a very well worked piece. Of yeah, it play. was it was very well worked. It was like um it was very well struck as well. And yeah, they just really, really just caught us completely sleeping. We just didn't anticipate that that was gonna happen. 
it's not an excuse, but like, I don't want it to sound like, I don't know that we just missed like an annoying tap in or something like that. It was, it was a very well worked piece. But I think, I think we've given credit to them, but yeah. now yeah. we've, we're focusing on the fact that we should have done better. But like, well, like true. you said, as, like you said as well, Sammy, there, we, we fell asleep. We, yeah. It was a well worked goal, but we, we should have defended that better. And we had the numbers. We had five, we had one player following Billing who put the ball into the box and then five other players in and around the box and no one picked up their, their star centre forward, their main man. Not one person was picking him up and there's a problem there. If that happens, I, there's a big problem. I was actually out when this happened and then I watched the first 30 seconds, then my phone glitched and then restarted again. I thought it was still glitching because I was just like, when did this happen? It was literally like a blink and you miss it moment. Yeah. So, yeah, not not a wonderful start to the game, but Fulham did get themselves back in. Uh, Issa Diop with his first goal for Fulham. Yeah. Um, Dad, thoughts about the Diop goal? Um, no, good good header. Um, good to see him get on the board. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a good goal. Um, yep, happy. Issa Diop is tall, and being tall helped in that situation. Yes. That's literally what I took away from it. I mean, like obviously his positioning was good and it was a good bit of service, but basically he was just towering over whoever he was defending. I'm oh, sorry, um, whoever he was. Yeah, you still got to finish those, though. You still got to finish totally, those. totally yeah. not taking anything away from it. I was very happy for him, and you know, I was actually pretty happy with like how happy everybody else looked for him. It's clear that he's actually integrated into the side well, and I like that for us. I think we've we've all sort of been calling out in one way or another for Diop to be introduced into the team. Um, mm. Not sure who it was for. It was the the choice obviously got made that Tosin was the one to step out this week. Um, so I, I'm glad he got a goal. I think having him in the box for corners, you look at Tosin, Tosin's very tall, so does get some headers in. You look at Tim Ream, he's he's quite good in the air, but he's, he's not that big. You look at Diop, he's an absolute tank of a bloke. And you saw with the goal, he didn't jump. He didn't need to get off the oh, ground because he was just stronger leaned. than his marker. He leaned to it, comes off his head onto his shoulder and into the back of the net. Uh, For me, I I think it was really good that we brought him in. And with Pereira swinging corners in, which always looked dangerous when he's taking corners, having Diop in the team adds a a goal-scoring element as well, which I think is really important and something we can't... Something that probably needs to come into the selection discussion a little bit more because I, I know Tosin has scored this year, but... I think we're more likely to get goals from corners from from Diop than we are from Tosin and Reem. Mm. So um, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. Actually, I, I'm going to say that I think that goal probably not to take anything away from 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 Diop, but I think that goal actually says more about Pereira's delivery mm-hmm. than yeah. than Diop, and that was really exciting. And it's 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 a really really good feature of his game, which I'm loving at the moment. Prayer is great. I love Prayer at the moment. He's such like a, he's 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 a bit of a slow incline, but I'm re- I really love everything he does. He's a really great asset. And I, I think the 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 commentators mentioned as well that Fulham have now scored from four corners this year. Mm. Uh, I think it's four. The, the ones I can remember, I remember Tosin's goal, Polina's goal from a corner, and Mitre's probably got one from a corner too at some point. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it shows there's a big difference there. I, I I love Tom Kearney and what he brings, but in terms of dead ball situations, I don't think he's got quite the same ability as Pereira. Did we score from one corner set piece last year? I'm not even sure we did. Oh Christ, I'm not even sure. I don't, 
I feel that like we had well, like they a probably couple. we probably did, but gee, not many. There was certainly not not four in eight or nine. No way. No, nah, no, nah, no, nah, no way. No and way. we'd like no, we had nowhere I'm, near the service. As you, as I'm agreeing with you, Sam, I think Pereira I, I like I feel like he left Man United um a little bit with his tail between his legs, you know, hadn't proven anything there. And um and it's always a bit a bit of a funny one. You never quite know if it's gonna work and a player's gonna be uh gonna find his little thing in a team and and um have a redemption story. But I feel like I feel like he's really loving being at Fulham. And I think there's a little Portuguese mafia thing going on there with uh, Silva and Boa and you know a couple of other Portuguese speaking boys. He is and- Brazilian. It is a different dialect, but I'll give you that. Yeah, I'm sure it is, but I bet you they can communicate pretty damn well. Yeah, yeah, close enough, close enough. And I bet, uh, I bet, I bet, Silver and Boamorte know enough of the Brazilian Portuguese dialect to be able to do that. You know, surely. Oh yeah, I mean, getting back to like on what you were saying before, I've always rated Pereira. I'm pretty sure at Man United he was um known as the preseason Pirlo. I've like. I, I think he only scored about like three or four goals for Man U, but I particularly remember one goal he scored that was one of the best goals I've ever seen in my entire life. And like at Man U, they're going to give a lot of time preseason for like younger players like him. But yeah, he was just never really able to like fully break in when the Premier League started. I, I 100% agree with all that. I think Pereira is a great in for us. I think he's he's proving his worth already. Uh, he's. I'd, I'd like to see a few more goals from him, but the assists are definitely worth their weight in gold at the moment. I think he's starting to learn how to play with the guys he's around as well. The only thing will be is once we get a bit more stability on the wings, because at the moment he's playing with a different winger every week, and and his job is to link up with those wingers. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think when he gets a bit of stability and maybe Wilson's fully back from injury and playing every week, and maybe Solomon's back or or we decide who's the other starting winger... Uh, I think that'll make quite a big difference as well. And don't so forget, and d- 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 sorry, don't forget, he's actually had no effective um, striker for the last mm. couple of weeks as well. Sure, yeah. sure. And he's still creating and, and scoring goals as well, which is great. Mm. Um, so, look, we, we, we scored the equaliser there, but unfortunately went behind again. And again, it's another piece of poor marking. And I'll shout out to whoever that was on Twitter who, who found that or did that bit of analysis. But... You watch the ball, and and Dad, I said this to you when we were watching the game as well. Uh, the ball gets played out wide to Solanke. All the Fulham players continue their run into the box, and all Lerma does is stop. Mm. You see, we're really well set up structurally as that ball goes to Solanke, and then it all breaks down, and the guys all follow the ball and are watching the ball. No one's watching Lerma. He's all of a sudden completely unmarked inside the box, inside the box he's just inside the box might be on the edge of the box and all he has to do is make half a decent connection with it and put it into the corner which he does because he has so much time zero pressure mm. easy goal dad defensive yeah, breakdown yeah well, that was frustrating it was really frustrating and i feel like i feel like we're just on repeat at the moment but this you know we, we we've been talking about winger problems and injury problems we've been talking about you know the issues we're having in the last couple of weeks with Mitro being out. And, of course, we've had some defensive uh, injuries as well. 
But this is, for me, is becoming a really, really urgent problem now because ostensibly, other than Kenny Tete, everyone's back, right? But it's not working. It's a real problem. Mm. Look, I mean, fortunately, we like, because you do need to score goals in the Premier League. You can't just play totally defensively. So we're kind of like walking on eggshells just because we can actually score goals at the moment, which we should not be taking for granted at all. That's a really good position to be in. But yeah, the amount of goals that we're leaking, we need to literally score like three goals a game to actually be competitive. I'm pretty sure, like, have we, like, I feel like every game we've basically conceded about two goals. And I feel like the games that we've won, it's basically always been about like three, two. I think, I think I can only think of Brighton, which was two nil. Is that right? We, we're currently conceding two goals on average per game and only scoring mm-hmm. 1.8 goals per game. That's a, that's a massive issue for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm seeing big red flags there. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, we are scoring goals, but it shows when Mitro's not there, we, we're not the same team and that's a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we're definitely not a poor team by any means, but we we can't win games by scoring three goals every game. It's not realistic. Yeah. It's not viable. When when you look at teams like Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, who aren't managing to score three goals every game against teams similar to Fulham's standard, how can we expect to be outscoring them? Like it, it it's just unrealistic. So there there is a big issue with our defense here that I think we will probably touch on at some point again. Um, in more depth, but I, I'm seeing some real issues, and it's it's worrying how easily we're pulled apart by mm. a team like Bournemouth as well, who aren't well known as an attacking side. Yeah. We're easily conceding goals, and fortunately, we are scoring goals and creating opportunities. But if if we shore up the defence, we're going to pick up points because yeah. if we only concede, well, if if we defend better and keep one of those goals out, that's an easy victory for us. Based on the flow of the game, based on the statistics, we held 70% of the possession for the whole game. We should be winning that hands down easily. Mm-hmm. But we, we've let it slip because we're, we're loose defensively. Yeah, it's annoying. So, I mean, I feel like, like Tottenham literally had like a similar issue maybe about like two years ago or so when they were leaking goals to like a ridiculous amount to the point where I'm pretty sure it was like Carabao Cup. They lost to Everton and it was a 5-4 game. Now, you can basically be like, oh, yeah, they scored four goals. That's great. But if you're leaking five, which is a position where we could very easily find ourselves in, especially in the Premier League, like the, the you're going to concede goals. That's fine. That's whatever. And you need to score goals. But, yeah, it's like I Tony Khan's just got to dip into the transfer window and stop dicking around with the wrestling is all i got to say about it. Well, again, you know, we we always sort of we've been talking very much in terms of is he going to be available or is he injured kind of thing without offenders and and thinking about it. Well, I certainly I have been thinking about it and very on a very player by player basis. But it seems to me that um, setting aside uh, Bobby Decker, David Reed, who I refuse to have a go at in this situation because he's doing a pretty good job. He's just not yeah. a right back. Um, and, but there's no one else that could do a better job. So that's the best we've got. But the problem seems to be not so much man for man. It's it's a systematic problem where, um, you know, may, may, maybe even though Tosin has had some problems from time to time, Reem and Tosin have a, seem to have a better understanding, and maybe that understanding between Reem and Diop is not there. 
And then if you add um, Bobby Decadover Reed, who's just, you know, not on the same wavelength at all, the problems is amplified. Um, so it's like not only are we short of uh, actual defensive manpower, but the balance is just all gone. Do you know what as well? I reckon a kind of a key point as well, like as much as we like to give credit and as much as like we're really, really happy with like Tim Ream and we recognize that Tosin is like a prospect and going to be somewhere. I can't remember the last time we actually, I mean, maybe Joachim Anderson, but like I can't remember the last time we actually had somebody in that defensive line that we really genuinely relied on and went, they are the dog's bollocks. There is something better. Like, there is something really prominent about having just a solid, like elite level defender. I know that they cost an arm and a leg to pick up and they're only going to get more expensive as like the inflation goes up with defense being the key thing to like stay in the Premier League. But I don't know, maybe we need a I don't even think it's, it's not even a matter of one, Sammy. It's just not, you know, you forget depth. You, you can't do it with one guy who's playing in a system of four at the back. No, of course not. But I don't even feel that we've got like, I mean, like as much as like we love all of our boys, I don't really feel that we have like a true. We don't have one world class. We don't have one world class defender. Yeah, I I don't think you need one world class defender. I think it's all about the system. You look at some team, like look at a team like Burnley, for example, who they had no world class defenders. That's true, and they defended so well for what eight years in the Premier League. It's all about your system. I, I think we've got. I'm I'm happy with. Tosin and Diop, for example, I think Ream, this is probably Ream's last year if we stay in the Premier League because I don't think mm. he's going to have the legs for it to to continue playing and playing and playing at this level. Uh, Tete's, I wouldn't say world-class, but he's a he's a seriously good defender. No, Robinson has proven yeah, himself to be a very handy Premier League defender as well. It's just momentary lapses in concentration, which can be fixed because I don't think the guys aren't don't have the ability to do it. They're just making mistakes. And you, mm. can, you can scrub mistakes out because they've got the ability with their feet. They've got the ability with their positioning. They're just being – it's just slack. It's slack defending at the moment. But, but do you do you think, though, Jack, that with just one guy who's actually not a specialist defender like Bobby Decadova reed that is enough to undo the system? Because they are relying on it him. It is. It is. But... play his position, right? Especially the moment he doesn't, like VAR as well, because yeah, Bobby as the, much as we love him. The, the, the moment he doesn't, you're you're actually your head's spinning around looking who else you've got to pick up because he's not doing the job. So the system does break down because they're overloaded. I, I I don't fully agree with that. I think it's the majority of your defense is down to your two centre backs. The the wing backs offer some cover, but the mistakes are coming from the two centre backs. It's not coming from Deckard over Reed's. Look at the two goals on the weekend. Deckard over Reed could have maybe closed down a bit better, and Tete is very good at closing down. That would have stopped that goal. The second goal was a mistake actually between the midfield and the defence because none of the midfielders tracked Lerma, and the defence didn't step out to Lerma. So uh, it's the two centre-backs that are the issue. And I'm not saying that they no, they don't have the ability. I don't think we need to go to the transfer market and sign another centre-back. I'd obviously love to have a high-quality centre-back in the team, but I don't think that's how we fix it. I think it's actually on, on the training pitch where it gets fixed. And tactically and structurally, 
maybe we need to make some changes and, and start talking to those centre backs a, a bit more closely and saying, guys, the, these are really simple errors that you're making. Fix it. We need to fix it. Uh, it's it's not a hard thing to fix because we have the talented players. I, I'm I'm sure that we have good enough players for it. It's topical. It's really it's important. Yeah, yeah. It's really topical. I mean, it's absolutely it's killing us at the moment. So we go in at halftime, two one down. Uh, it's all looking a bit dreary at that point. I, I never thought that we were out of the game. I don't know what you guys thought as well, but I, I thought we were always going to be in this game. There were definitely goals to come. Did think that there might have been goals for both teams to come. It did look like it was going to be a high scoring yeah, affair. For sure. For sure. Um, but a bit of justice in the second half, 52nd minute, Alexander Mitrovic had a corner. Sam, talk us through what you saw. Hey, if that wasn't going to be given as like at least a penalty, I would have probably put my fist through the wall because like, I I mean, like, uh, I mean, he didn't clothesline Mitrovic, but all Mitrovic needed to do was go down because essentially he was just bear hugging him. And um, no, Mitrovic played it right. Um, uh, you gotta. That's the way that you have to play in the Premier League now. If somebody is going to be dicking around and doing stupid things like that, you have to take advantage of it. He did, and it was great and a nice conversion as well. Because like obviously, like Mitrovic has had some issues with penalties. It's nice to see he's been getting pretty consistent with that. Very very happy. To be honest, I want to talk more about like the substitutions because I feel that like when the substitutions happened, that completely opened up the game for me. But well. I sadly now, when I see an incident like that in the box, I just think, here we go, it's going to be completely overthought. Um, and no one's going to actually pull the trigger because no one wants to be wrong. And I think it, it's it's frustrating. I know we've talked about this a lot, but it's very frustrating. There's no way in the wide world I would have put any soft body parts on that penalty being given even though it was a clear penalty. So many of those things, to me, get overthought and actually not overridden. Mm-hmm. You know, last time out, we well, I was complaining mainly about consistency of refereeing decisions and saying how many times we see that happen. A player pulled down in the box, especially happens to Mitrovic as well, pulled down in the box by a defender who's got his arms all over him, and we never, ever see those given, which is why I was so annoyed at the West Ham goal. Um, so I'm I'm actually just glad that it got picked up and got given because you often see those just completely ignored. It was nice to see we actually got a decision go our way for once. So I, I was personally happy with it. Sam, one word answer, one word. Was mm. it a penalty? Yeah. Elton? Yes, of course it was a penalty. I'm with you. I get frustrated because I feel like Mitro, I know he's very physical and I think the refs are always sort of evening it up. But that happens to Mitro all the time, and it never gets given. That was not one word. Yeah, not the that best was not one, one word, word answer, but I'll take it. Um, Sorry. Do you want me to do it again? <laughs> no. I'll do it in half the words, but I'm not doing it I, in one. I just want a sense of justice if I am no. going to be put in a box. No. See, he's no sorry, we were saying we've Sam. applied VAR to you, <laughs> and it is not allowed. Yeah. Next uh, week. Next week. I agree. Penalty. Um, I... If you have a look as well, Lerma is not looking at the ball as it's coming in. He's got eyes on Mitro. That's all he's caring about. And so I'm glad the referee picked that up. And like you said, Sammy, really well dispatched penalty. After Mitro missed that one early in the season, I was kind of not, I'm always fractionally worried when he steps up because he's not the best penalty taken. You saw that wasn't the best penalty. Mm. I think he waited a little bit to make sure that the keeper went a certain way, but 
definitely wasn't the best penalty I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but that was two all. As you said, Sammy, we probably should have touched on the, the substitutions as well. The halftime subs saw Kenny and Willian come on for Dan James and Harrison Reed. You want to talk about how that changed the game? This is literally all I want to talk about because you know what? Like, it's my unpopular opinion. I've never been the hugest fan of Tom Kearney. Tom Kearney, I thought, was excellent. I thought he was fantastic. Also, as well, the introduction of Wilson and Willian back into the game as well. Um, I understand. I understand Wilson's injured, and I understand Willian's got like an injury as well. I feel like really those two boys were the ones to start because the game changed so much more positively in our favor. I feel that we were playing in the first half and I really like Dan James, but I, I'm kind of with you guys. I prefer him as like an impact sub and I really like Cabano, but sometimes um, sometimes he can bring a really good amount of creativity. And then other times it's not necessarily like that. Whereas William has this really wonderful like poise and confidence and like familiarity with like the Premier League and the way in which it's played. And he has this great kind of um, presence when he plays as well, which is really, really helpful. No, no, not doing that. Not doing that. Um, and again, I, 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 I love seeing Wilson back. I think he's great. Yeah, I agree. Dan James, for me, didn't do enough in the first half. He uh, Maybe we're just not used to the way he plays, but I, I do prefer him off the bench as a sub. I think he offers more against tired legs than he does from the start of the game. Uh, and we've seen he's got the ability. We saw that shot he took in the West Ham game that hit the bar, and he's, he's obviously going to give something to the team, but it's it's not working at the moment with him as a starter. I Interestingly, I, I, thought, I thought there were f- moments... Where he was better than he's been all season. Yeah. In in that game. There were moments, but he's not doing it for me. And I think I think it's a confidence thing. I think it is. I don't really yeah. care if he can't score with his left foot outside the box. That's not what I want from him. But I just want him to feel like he can really run and just try that on and put the absolute shits up the defenders. That's all I need from him. To carry the ball 20 or 30 metres and absolutely set the cat amongst the pigeons. Uh, and then there were a couple of moments where I thought, oh, great, he's actually doing that. Um, William, to me, I, I really like William. He, he doesn't look completely sharp at the moment. I thought he was quite good in, in in what he was doing, and he's got a great football brain, but he didn't look that sharp. Again, Wilson, um, great that he's coming back. And he he looks strong, but still not that sharp. And he looks at a bit off the pace. Uh, and I totally agree with your um, assessment of Kenny's involvement. But it'd be great to find a way for Kenny to be a more permanent part of a starting setup. But I don't really know where that is. How you get <clears throat> how you uh, get the the effect of a good um, um, read. And Polinia, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know where how, how you can actually make that work. I think Kenny starts on Thursday. I think you yeah. drop, you drop Harrison Reed. Harrison Reed, great player. We all love Harrison Reed and what he brings. But I think Tom Kenny is showing that he adds 
more in more going forward than Harrison Reed does, which mm. I think we oh, already no know doubt. anyway. But Polina has the ability to to sweep up behind the midfield and, and pick up those balls that Harrison Reed picks up as well. And I think having Tom Kearney just seems to calm us a little bit. We take things a little bit slower, which is not ideal sometimes, but because we do take things slower, we do build a little bit better. We we create we have more passes. I think when Kearney's on the field, we pass the ball a lot more and we pass it better as well. Um, so for me, I think Kearney starts in, in the game that we're going to talk about shortly as well. Um, but look, obviously, we, we were back on level terms. We saw uh, Niskin's Cabano come off, Harry Wilson come on, um, and I think Wilson played okay. It's quite obvious to see that he's returning from injury, but we just weren't able to break Bournemouth down. We didn't, from, I don't think we created any really good chances in that in that sort of final final period. We definitely were putting a lot of pressure on, but it, it just seemed like Mitro wasn't quite right. A few times the ball was going into the box. He wasn't jumping like he usually would. Um, wasn't really going in hard for tackles that he usually would. Like It, it just seemed like he was pulling out of those 50-50s because maybe he's not 100% sure of his foot yet. I think giving it giving it a bit more time uh will be good but i'm a, i'm a little bit worried about the fact that he's basically going to play three games in eight days mm. um on a slightly injured foot but as silver said in his presser if mitrovic wasn't fit he wouldn't have played he's obviously not fully there but physios have obviously given the thumbs up mitro said i'm good to play and he was just holding back a little bit i'm hoping that having got through a full a full 90 He's he's raring to go for the Thursday night game, but it could be could be that we actually see him rested for Thursday night. I'd be surprised if we did, but I'd also be surprised if he didn't. Yeah, he clearly clearly is not right. There's he, he lacked aggression. He wasn't pressing very hard at all. He wasn't covering the ground, which we've come to know and love about the new Metro. Wasn't doing a lot of those things, and obviously, you know, as a as a presence out there, we we still love him being there, but he wasn't the Mitro of of the earlier part of the season. There's no doubt about it. So, look, what we'll do now, we'll take a very short break. When we come back, we're going to discuss the upcoming game against Villa, uh, our thoughts on potential team selections and, and how we see the Villa game going. Right, so let's talk Villa. Uh, Thursday night game, not ideal having games quite close together. Uh, it's uh, As we've said, we have a few injury issues at the moment across the whole squad. And so to have three games in eight days probably isn't coming at a very good time for us. Um, Elton, what are your thoughts on potential selections? Uh, I know we've been talking about how how well uh, Kearney's impact was in the game. Does he potentially get a start? Oh, I'm really torn on this because... You know, as much as I, I agree he played really well and had a good influence on the game, um, I think that was mainly because Harrison Reed wasn't having a brilliant game. Um, he was working hard, but it, he wasn't really that effective. And I'm not sure. I, look, I suppose if, you, if you're going to pick on the basis of form, Kenny's in pretty good form at the moment, and Harrison Reed 
is somehow just a little bit off. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but I don't know as much as I like what Tom Kearney's doing. He's actually bailed us out of a couple of situations off the bench in the last couple of weeks. I'm not sure that that's my ideal eleven. I'm not sure that Tom Kearney, unless he can find a way to work um, better with Polinia than Reed has been working, I'm not convinced that Kearney and Polinia is better than what we had in the first five, seven games of the season. I wholeheartedly agree. I couldn't, I, yeah, I 100% agree. I loved what Tom Candy did on the weekend. I loved his aggression. I have not seen that aggression from him in a really, really long time. I thought he, he was did, great going forward. Did make a great tackle, actually, running back. He just, There's like, a, yeah, he, you, he did look a little bit more up for it this week. He just, he wouldn't, just wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great? I'm saying if, if that's. Wouldn't it be great if his frustration of actually not being in the starting lineup just kind of brought something out of him and, you know, that aggression and actually being down for the the tackle like we'd expect from Harrison Reid, if if he really could offer that, great. Bro, you're taking literally my spotlight because that's literally what I was just about to say. Um, I know I completely agree. I genuinely believe that if Tom Kenny starts, we don't get the performance that we literally got the other night. And I actually think he's better when he plays for a shorter amount of time. I, if I'm changing anything, I'm changing like our wing setup. I really like, um, the starting thing that Pereira, Paulina and Reed kind of do in the beginning of like a game. Um, and then being able to bring Kenny on, with a bit of a chip on his shoulder, who's re- he's really trying to prove something at the moment. And if I was Silver, I'd be milking that for everything. I genuinely believe if you start him, you don't you don't get the same thing. I I disagree. I I think fight me. I well, I think we're not giving Kenny enough time to influence a game. He had mm-hmm. forty five minutes, and it it proved that he made quite a big difference in 45 minutes. We've often seen him get 20 or 30 minutes when we're chasing a game and a team sitting back. I'd like to see him start a game. The game's nil-nil. We can actually put pressure on them through good creative play. Him and Pereira are both very good with their feet, very good passes of the ball. I think think we're losing a creative opportunity by effectively playing too defensively. Harrison Reid and Polina are defensive players, we have a back four of defensive players. I know we do push up on the wings, but really we've got six defensive players and then we're isolating the strikers. Kenny is being that link between the midfield and the attack. Uh, I think we're missing out by not having him start. I, I agree it's a tough decision to make because how do you drop Harrison Reed, who's having such a good season so far and is one of our better players? But I think you have to because I think you have to make space for him in the team. If we want to win games... We need to readjust the way we play. Polina sits even deeper and really protects that back four. And Kearney sits in between Polina and Pereira and basically controls the game through the whole through the whole game. I, I think that's the way it'll work. And I, I'd like to see us try it because I think we're missing out on massive, massive creativity in the midfield and it's causing us issues going forward because we, we look a bit headless sometimes. Well, I think- can, can, sorry, Sam, go ahead. 
Well, I literally think just because of like um, the tight nature of the fixtures that are coming up, we're probably going to see some rotation. If yeah, Kearney doesn't start this game coming up, he's probably going to start against Leeds. What I was going to say was that <laughs> no one's actually mentioning it, but I, I don't think it's an unfair comment to say that since Polini has come back from suspension, he's actually been a long way off his best. Mm, and I think that's actually causing problems for us as well because, you know, he's at like 80%, 75% of what he was in those first seven games. And maybe there's sort of throwing a reliance onto his partner to do more and be more effective and it's not happening. That That's a tactical decision for sure because I think we've realised how how much we struggle without him in the team. And Silver's obviously gone, let's get through to at least January, which is only seven games away, uh, and make sure you don't get another suspension before then so that we can reinforce the midfield. But uh, I, I, yeah, I, like like Sam said, with the games coming up, I think we're going to see rotation. So I think we will see Kearney get a start. Um, more out of, out of rotation than actually out of him um impressing enough or, or silver wanting to play that that formation um so look let's let's look at our opponents villa they played chelsea on uh on the weekend lost 2-0 to two mason mount goals one thing i noticed they they had a lot of shots on goal 18 shots and they actually put in a lot of crosses as well chelsea had to make 22 clearances in the game compared to villa only making six clearances so they they are quite good on the wings uh you'll you'll probably see uh Leon Bailey playing on the wing. He's a, he's a decent. Uh, yeah, Ollie Watkins. They sort of play a front three with Danny Ings in the middle, and then Watkins and Bailey either side. Yeah. Um, they do sort of switch around a fair bit, so you'll probably see them them uh, move around in the midfield. They've got Douglas Louise in the midfield as well, who's a decent yeah, player. Um, Danny Ings is no joke as well. He's he was really successful at Southampton a couple of seasons. Yeah, ago. yeah, and Ollie Watkins is a is a proven striker as well. Yeah. And Leon Bailey's he's a quick player as well. They got Ashley Ashley Young and Maddie Cash on on wing backs, uh, who you know again both decent players, a lot of experience. Tyron Mings, as you mentioned before as well, Sammy in the center uh, center of defense, yeah. uh, really decent striker, international obviously, and Martinez in goal for them. Signed from Arsenal and he's been a revelation since he signed. He's one of the probably one of the top few keepers in the Premier League at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Villa struggling a little bit, I'd say, at the moment. Um, their their last few games, they they lost to Chelsea. They've had a draw with Forest, which they'd be hoping to win. Had a draw with Leeds, which with Leeds, sorry, which I think they'd be hoping to win. They beat Southampton, who are really poor this season, so I wouldn't put too much on that. They did get a draw with Man City, though, one all uh, not that long ago. So. So it's an interesting game. Sam, how do you see the Villa game going? Yeah, I mean, Villa's been a bit weird ever since like they lost Grealish, but I still think they're actually a really good team. I mean, we've just gone through like some of the players, which is way more than I can say for some for a team like Bournemouth. Um, so I genuinely rate them. I I feel like they are very, very capable and we definitely shouldn't like um underestimate them. But in all fairness to us, I feel like the games that we have gone into like um, not underestimating our like team that we're playing. We've actually fared quite well. Um, it's usually been like the teams where we've kind of been like, oh yeah, this seems like not as much of a challenge for us. We've actually then struggled with. So yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be good. Um, and yeah, yeah. And no, I'm going with what I said before. I feel like um, uh, the games that like we've kind of 
gone into thinking that we might not do as well, we um have fared pretty decently. That, yeah, look, they they had a pretty average start to the season, but I don't think only a fool would underestimate them. They are they're a decent side, man, man for man, they're a decent side. I just wish I wish we'd actually played them four weeks ago around the time <laughs> when we played Brighton because I think we would have taken points. We would, I, I think we could have won. Now, um, they're definitely improving, um, and and we've had a, a shaky few weeks. So it's pretty even, Stevens. Uh, on the plus side, we're at home, um, and that's always good for us. But phew, uh, super, super even, I, I, hard to call. Can we briefly talk about us playing at home recently? Because I feel like us playing at home has been like a massive thing for us, even when we haven't been playing our best. The cottage has become a really, really important place for us to play this season. I think it always has. Uh, you know, yeah. every team in the Premier League hopes that they win most of their home games and you sort of cross your fingers to get results away from home, especially when you're a mid-table side like us. Um, I, I I think you know we we just need to keep working hard and getting results. That's the biggest thing. I feel like I um I, I feel like we're too genteel, you know, in in and around the stands. We we're a bit front runnerish in the, in in terms of the noise we make. Like we get very excited and we're good when we're playing well and scoring goals and whatever, but we're 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 not like some of the clubs that raise the roof and get the side pumped oh, when yeah. we're not doing well. And I, I really wish we we uh, could be that kind of um, home support. No, yeah, the cottage is really, really good if we're like coming from behind and we're actually showing that we want it, kind of thing. But it's definitely not a stronghold. It's not. It's not, um, yeah. Oh, Christ, I can't even think of an example. Maybe, but... maybe not having ten thousand, five thousand people in that Riverside stand, maybe causes a real lack of atmosphere that people aren't feeding off. And maybe when that stands fully open, things will improve a bit. Oh, I mm. think we we have to remember it's Craven Cottage. It's not a coliseum. It's not. A big ground. Your, your capacity is thirty thousand max. You're never going to get the kind of atmosphere that you you get at Old Trafford or, mm. um, you know, at the the Emirates Stadium now, or even like the old old Berlin ground, West Ham's old ground. Those those raucous crowds. We're also we you know we're we're quite a family club as well. So we have to remember that you're never going to get that that same experience. But I think the crowd's been been really good this year and i think the players are responding to it and the players love playing at home we've, yeah. we've seen it for the last few years they really do love playing at home and love celebrating in front of the cottage or in front of the um the putney and the hammersmith end so uh you know I, i'm confident that playing at home against a team who we should be beating we should get a decent result from so sammy give us a prediction for the game what what score line are we looking at i want to be really optimistic here i want to say everything clicks I want to say um, Wilson starting and he has a revelation. Polina finally gets his confidence again and he's back to being a rabid dog and it just all works. It's sunshine and roses. And if it all clicks well, I'm going to say it's 2-0. I will 
Yeah, yeah, I agree, Alfie. I agree. And, Watching uh, trolls, Teddy. Yeah. Um, and if it goes badly, I think we have enough in us to basically. I was going to say one all, but it's going to be two two, isn't it? We can still Dead. score goals. That's the thing. Like we can all, we can still score goals, and I, you need to. I always put that in the back of my head. That was three predictions, Sam. Two yeah, and two, that's two, what you get. All. That is what you get. <laughs> that is what I'm giving, and that's what you shall receive. Dead. Um, I'm going to to all again uh, because I feel hopefully Mitro plays and he's fit. Uh, I feel we get one from Mitro, one from elsewhere, um, but. I don't. Well, I'd, I'd like to believe otherwise, but I'd be astounded if we'd solved our defensive problems um, in five days or four days or something. I just can't see it happening. So we, we, I, I feel we're going to ship more goals, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for for two. All. I, I see it going better. Uh, and I'd actually match Sam's um, Sam's prediction. I think we're going to win this one 2-0. I think we are looking a little bit more settled, and I think players are slowly coming back. I don't think Tete is going to be fit, uh, which is a bit of a shame. But I, I think we will be good value, and I, I reckon we're going to get a 2-0 win. I think, I think we will genuinely um, look at Aston Villa in a way that, Probably a lot of the other teams haven't been looking at <coughs> Aston Villa this season. And as a result, I feel that we will really take this game very, very seriously, more so than like the last three. It's a it's a big game, you know. Oh, of course it is. If, course if it is. we look at the table and how everything looks at the moment, we're sitting in 11th. We've got 12 points. Uh, the team in 17th are literally one win away from overtaking us. Mm. Um, if we win, we can jump as high as sixth. Like the table's very tight at the moment. We need to mm. be, we kind of need to be wary of that. And the results are sort of going our way and we're not dropping down the table at the moment. But it doesn't take long for you to to slide in this league. And I think we we need to start picking up points. And these games against Villa and Leeds, who are both sitting in 15th and 16th, they're important games. I know we talked about Bournemouth being a bit of a six-pointer, but I think these next two are six-pointers. Um, yeah. Because really, if we if we take away a couple of wins from these games, move to eighteen points after twelve games, that's that's a really good platform to build on. Eighteen points from twelve games, you only need twenty two points from your remaining uh, twenty six games. Basically, a less than a point a game, which is what you want to sort of be aiming for in the Premier League, where you get a draw, draw every game, and you and you you survive. I, I think we we need to be giving these games the weight that they actually have because they are two very, very big games. And I'm looking forward to, to seeing Fulham hopefully come out and put in a decent performance. Also as well, three weeks ago, we said, great, we have a buffer. We can, we can if something bad happens and we lose a couple of games, that's all right. We're not in that place anymore. All, like The team knows that we're not in that place anymore. And yeah. I feel that we're really, really going to go for this one. I I agree with you, but I'm just I'm very very fascinated that you guys think we're gonna gonna deliver our first clean sheet for the season on the back of pretty average defensive performances. Oh, I think mate, that's a big turnaround. It's like Game of Thrones drama, though. I can just see it, it's, it happening. It's, it's not jeopardy. about it's 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 not about lack of will to score goals and take teams on. It's more about can we shut the door? 
But I think I th- that is when you put in performances like that off the back of a really poor performance where we didn't lose the game. So you're not super negative walking away from the game, but you look back on it and go, we we weren't good enough. And if we just improved a little bit and worked a bit harder, we would have actually got a result here. I think that's a perfect time to to turn things around and get a clean sheet. And we're playing against a team where they don't have any multiple goal scorers. They're not creating chances in games. More Their, their XG is under one. Um, and their actual scored goals this season as well are very low. So it is a game where we can have that sort of outlook and go, this is the game that I'd be pinpointing as a, a clean sheet. Uh, Leeds have a, a goal difference of minus two, so they're much better at scoring goals. Villa have a goal difference of minus six, so they're conceding far more than they're scoring, and they're not putting they're not putting chances away. So I think this is the chance for us to to actually get a clean sheet, and it'd be nice to get a clean sheet because Leno's not kept one yet for us. The beauty of football is a lot of it is also just about timing, and I feel that if you capitalize on the right team at the right time, you can get results that you didn't think that you were going to get like Liverpool like um uh two seasons ago when we went back to back getting like results off of them like well, that was a largely a case of just good timing and us is, like capitalizing on that good timing which is why I said I wish we played Villa six weeks ago mate I wish we played Chelsea like <laughs> a month ago and I'm still angry about it yeah well maybe don't be because it hasn't been great since that Chelsea from since the game before that Chelsea game so yeah. I feel like they would have probably bounced back at that point and it would have been even worse for us. But look, what we'll do there, guys, we'll wrap it up. Um, thank you again to everyone who's been listening. Thank you to all our subscribers. Um, make sure you like all our social medias. Uh, we've got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We try and post regularly and interact with everyone. Thanks to everyone who sent in questions. We've obviously had a lot to cover today, but we'll get to your questions in the next time we meet. We're going to try and get together again post the Villa game and pre the Leeds game, which is coming up on Sunday and get another podcast out before then. But once again, thank you to everyone who's, who's been supporting us. It's been, been really great to see so many nice messages coming in and, and uh, people interacting, especially the Fulham WA crew as well, who send us lots of messages during the week and interact with us on, on Facebook. So um, Sammy, thanks again for your time tonight. Email us, talk to us. The further you are away, I want to know exactly who you are. I want to hear all your voices. Everybody speak up. Thank you for having me. Good night. And Elson, thank you. I can't beat that. Thanks. And come on, you whites. <laughs>